Just last winter, on February 21, uh, one of the prominent voices of our time, both to Christian and to non-Christian for that matter, he went to be with Jesus. And when we think of Billy Graham, we, we have reverence and we have respect. And, and, and it's just like, wow, what a man of God. But long before he was that man, long before he was a universal spokesman for God's love to humankind, he was um, being discipled into being a godly young man. And he had so many words of praise for two people in his life, his mom and his dad. And, uh, and I found a few of those um, words of praise he had for them, and I thought I'd share them with you. And uh, then we'll move on, and I'll tell you why I shared those. So he says this, what a comfort it was for me to know that no matter where I was in the world, my mother was praying for me. Another thing he said is, every time my parents prayed for their sons and daughters, they were declaring their dependence on God for the wisdom and strength and courage to stay in control of life, no matter what circumstances might bring. Another thing he wrote was, when my parents read the family Bible together in our home, they were not simply going through a pious ritual. Mother told us that they had established a family altar with daily Bible reading the very first day they were married. And of his parents, he also said they accepted the book of the very word of God, as the very word of God, seeking and getting heavenly help to keep the family together. He remembers his upbringing as being formative for who he was to become. And I think that's an important thing for us to remember. You know, I pondered these words of praise, and I felt inspired, and I felt challenged as a parent. I have, we have three boys, if you don't know. One of them just went off to Bible school, which is um, a joyful journey. <laughs> I am very joyful. There's been a lot of stress. Um, but I felt inspired and challenged as a parent um, as, I, as I pondered him and his words of his parents. Norm and I, we love our kids. Yeah, we, we pray for our kids. We, we try to live faith with our kids. But if, if I'm really honest with you, we fail our kids. It's just that's going to be what life is, right? We, we feel like we don't get it right all the time. And is this example of Billy's parents, the one that I could ever hope to follow, I would actually say, ah, I don't think I can. I I. I don't measure up to that standard. Well, good thing is, I realize that I don't have to measure up. Um, I don't, it's just not what I need to do. I need to rely on the one who is capable to love my children into the kingdom more than I am. I'm not capable to love them into the kingdom, but I can rely on the one who is capable. And um, so that's where I want to go forward from. Um, I have God's presence in me. You have God's presence in you. And he's the Holy Spirit at work in us. And um, also, God resides in our children. And I can trust him for their destinies. So, uh, with that in mind, let's have a quick reminder of our study this summer. So, Norm mentioned that uh, we're studying the theme of street, mar- street, I'm saying the same thing, street smarts from the book of Proverbs. So, I paraphrased it as wisdom for today. Because this is what we need, wisdom for today, our, t- our day and time. So the book of Proverbs is an admonishment to pursue wisdom, to live upright, and to find life in doing so. Pursue wisdom, live upright, find life in doing so. 
And Proverbs themselves are a father's words to his son, exhorting him to find wisdom and not to follow the path of the wicked. So, you probably know where I'm going with this. The verse I'm studying today is Proverbs 22, verse 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he's old, he will not depart from it. I thought we should get some context for that verse, though. So I went a little farther, and I'm going to also read verses 4 to 6. The reward for humility and the fear of the Lord is riches and honor and life. Thorns and snares are in the way of the crooked. Whoever guards his soul will, will keep far from them. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he's old, he will not depart from it. So I thought I would paraphrase those verses, and, and they, this is what they mean. Live for the Lord and avoid sin to gain life. So this is the exhortation regarding training the child in the way he should go. But let's be honest. This verse has put a heavy weight on many a parent. I don't want to do that. That's not what I want to do today. I'm coming from a different angle, actually. I believe that God's given me a bit of revelation that looks a little different than this heavy weight of, it's going to turn out all right. I mean, people tell this to you, right? It's going to turn out all right. Your kids are going to be fine. Um, I have a little bit different angle, and I believe it's from the Holy Spirit, and I believe it's biblical. Actually, it is, because my whole sermon has... (laughs) biblical context in it. So let's keep going. So we're going to break down the key words and the phrases of this verse. There's the word train. There's the word child. There's the words way, the phrase way he should go. And there's the phrase not depart. So I wanted to follow a progression of thought according to this verse and these words as they, they go. And um, we're going to get some revelation from the Lord today. So let's start with the word train. In Proverbs, um, the, the word was hanak. I don't know if I'm speaking Hebrew right, but um, hanak. And that means to dedicate, or um, it has the idea of narrowing, and it implies the channeling of a child's conduct into the way of wisdom. So um, that's what the word hanak means. And, and it also might include dedicating him or to her to, the, to God and preparing the child for future responsibilities and adulthood. So that's what the, the, the Proverbs meaning is. And I thought, well, let's jump into New Testament meaning here. What does the word train mean? What did Jesus say about training? And I thought that would be a good way for us to move forward. What is Jesus' words about training? And I, I found a verse that I thought was really, um, it, it was applicable for today. And um, it's Matthew thirteen fifty two, And um, I want to read it in... Um, if we can move forward, we're going to look at Jesus in the New Testament. And we're going to, I'm going to read it from three uh, versions, and it's got three different words. And I thought that would be important for us to move forward with. So in the ESV, it says, And he said to them, Therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of God. Okay, this is Jesus talking about people, scribes were teachers, who have been trained for the kingdom of God. And then in the ASV and the Amplified, it says, Every scribe who hath been made a disciple unto the kingdom of God. So there's training equaling being discipled into the kingdom of heaven. And then he also said, therefore, every scribe which is instructed into the kingdom of heaven. So we have three words for training. We have um, train, disciple, and instruct. But what does that mean? It doesn't just mean teach them right things. It means into the kingdom of, of God. 
And um, so in Jesus' time, the scribes had deep knowledge of the law of Moses, and, and they were the public teachers and trainers of the people. In fact, um, Jesus was saying of them that the new law requires a new order of scribes, of teachers, who shall be instructed unto the kingdom of heaven, instructed into its mysteries, its laws, its future, as the Jewish scribes are instructed in the observances of the Mosaic law. Jesus was calling people into a new covenant. If you're going to be part of the kingdom of God, and he was actually speaking to the scribes, saying they need to learn a new thing. They need to learn not the old way. They need to learn the new way. And uh, um, so he set up a new standard. That's the next one. For teachers of God's word. And, you know, I'm adding parents into this because we're spiritual teachers of our, of, of our children. So what, what I really took out of this verse was Jesus was saying, don't get stuck in the old law. Don't get stuck in the old set of rules and regulations, but come into the new law, the kingdom of heaven. And this is what I really want to focus on, the time of the Holy Spirit's law being put on our heart. It's not um, where we, we figure out a system. We don't have a, we can't, figuring out a system doesn't work. But if we can rely on the Holy Spirit as being written, his law being written on our heart, that's where we're going to find victory. So to support this idea, um, I'm going to quote Hebrews 10, um, verse 15 and 16, which is actually a quote of Joel 2, um, which was a prophecy for giving of the Holy Spirit. And it says this, And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to this. For after saying, This is the covenant that I will make with them, after those days, declares the Lord, I will put my law on their hearts, and I will write them on their minds. So, here it is. The training up a child that I'm focusing on today is Hanak. To narrow or dedicate our, our children to the way of wisdom. And two, to disciple or instruct our children into the kingdom of God, where God's law is written on their hearts and minds. So this is Holy Spirit enabling, because he's the counselor, and he teaches us, and he teaches our children. So then I thought, okay, we've got the word train. Let's, think, let's look at the word child. And... Um, Physically, it's a person who's not yet an adult. Biblically, it was a person who was not yet married. So, um, and then in the kingdom, a person who has not fully reached maturity in faith. This could mean all of us are on our journey of being disciples into Christ. We have a lifetime of learning. So, we're all children of God. So, we're moving into kingdom thinking now, not just raising up our children. We are all children of God. Okay, so in our church's context... All of us together, children of God, learning of each other, being taught of the Lord together, and growing mature in our faith together. So that's kind of where I was going with this. I didn't want to do a Proverbs 22, 6 sermon about raising up children. I wanted to do a Proverbs 22, 6 sermon about us living faith together and growing together in our walk with God. So um, let's keep moving forward. So in context of Proverbs 22.6, for us as a church family, we disciple each other as children of God into the ways of the Lord as we mature together and we grow stronger in our faith together. In fact, Jesus wants us to be children. Mark 10.13-15, And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them, and the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God is like a child. Like a child shall not enter it. And he took them into his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. 
Jesus welcomes the children, and he wants us to come to him as children. So that's, the, that's how I define child, that we are all children of God. So we're, we have liberty to, to disciple each other into the kingdom of God, to instruct each other. Let's go to the, the words, way he should go. The entire book of Proverbs is dedicated to instructing the next generation into righteousness, the way he should go. So I did a little study. It was my own study, so I think it's pretty accurate. But I'm going to tell you what I, what I found out. The words way, walk, and path are used in Proverbs a lot of times. So the admonition is to follow or to walk on the path, and you'll reap the benefit. So those three words, way, walk, and path, were listed in Proverbs as an admonition to follow, and the results, and they were listed as the result of following them, like the benefit of following them, 67 times. That's a lot of times in one book. So um, there's a special admonition to follow the path, okay? And then also, those three words were listed as a way, um, the result of not following them, so the result, okay? That was listed 53 times. So I didn't do the math. What's 67 and 53? 120 times those words were listed because the writer of Proverbs thought it was important to instruct the next generation as to how to go. So I found that intriguing. So what is this way? What what is the book of Proverbs talking about when it says, follow this way, walk on this path? Um, well, it's, it's not, there's, they're not just general Proverbs to live by, but I wanted the entire context of the book of Proverbs, and that is the way of wisdom. And that's the whole premise that I want us to follow today. What is the way of wisdom? So as we're training our children and ourselves, what is the way of wisdom? Well, Proverbs 1 explains the need for wisdom. Wisdom, I'm saying Holy Spirit. And it it exhorts us not to follow the path of the wicked. It outlines the call of wisdom, which is, I'm using the word Holy Spirit, to leave folly behind. Then the Holy Spirit will be poured out on us. Okay, Proverbs 2, the Lord guards the way of those who seek wisdom. Holy Spirit. And those, the, the, the verse was, the Lord guards the way of those who seek wisdom. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He's a shield to those who walk in integrity. And then Proverbs 4. Seek after wisdom, Holy Spirit. Prize it at all costs and reap the benefit. Hear my son and accept my words that the years of your life may be many. I've taught you the way of wisdom. I've led you in the paths of righteousness. So why did I interject the word wisdom when I used, or Holy Spirit when I used the word wisdom? Well, the Holy Spirit is described as the spirit of wisdom and understanding. And in Isaiah 11, verse 2, when it was prophesied over Jesus, it says, Then a shoot will come up from the stem of Jesse, and a branch from his roots will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and strength, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. The Holy Spirit is called the spirit of wisdom and understanding. So in Proverbs, the way of wisdom, I'm proposing, okay, the way of wisdom is allowing ourselves to be led by the Holy Spirit. In, um, welcome him into our lives, saying, we need you, Holy Spirit. 
And then uh, when we're seeking the way of wisdom, we're not just seeking knowledge. We're not just seeking understanding. We're actually, in this context, we're seeking the power and presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And then we get to model it for our children. We get to model it for our church. And he's asking us to disciple and instruct each other. So I thought, well, some people might say, you're, you're stretching this, Nikki. Why do, you know, maybe you shouldn't put that word Holy Spirit in there. And I thought, well, well let's, let's get a biblical interpretation. And uh, so I'm looking at Jesus' words, and I'm bringing this into a New Testament type of discipleship. So training up a child in the way he should go will always point to Jesus, and he is the way to go. John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Then in Luke 24, Jesus says, And now I will send the Holy Spirit, just as my Father promised, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. So, I'm going to be honest with you. He doesn't make it hard to follow this way of wisdom because he sends the Holy Spirit as our counselor, our wisdom. Then you're going to ask me, how do we do this, Nikki? Some of us really ask that question. Like, I, don't, I, I feel a little bit stuck in all this. Well, I could preach a whole other sermon right now, but I don't think you guys want me to do another one. So I'm not going to, but I'm going to give you a quick little snippet of an Old Testament passage that is used regular right now. And um, I'm just going to paraphrase it so that I don't preach another sermon this morning. Um, Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 to 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. That's Holy Spirit power. They didn't use those words, but that's Holy Spirit power when his law is written on our hearts. Um, Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Basically, this is my paraphrase. You read it right there. We need to live our faith at all times. We rely on the Holy Spirit's power. We can't just tell each other what the right things to do are. We, we need to live it out. So I can speak this message to you, and it'll mean nothing. But if I live this with you, that means everything. So that's what my heart is today, that we're actually saying, let's live this. Let's live this reliance on the Holy Spirit to train and, and instruct each other. In fact, there's an old Chinese proverb. It's not biblical, but I thought, hey, it's a good proverb. So I put it in here. And it says, parents can tell but never teach unless they practice what they preach. Well, our church, we can tell but never teach. I don't have the right to be up here unless you see me live in this, right? So um, I'm just excited because I feel like God is moving up moving us, well, he, he always is, but I'm excited about even my own personal journey of living this faith, and that I can actually tell and teach because I'm practicing with you what I'm preaching. So that's uh, my prayer for all of us. In fact, um, I, I found a little clip about a, a dad, um, his testimony, and I thought, this is cool. He's practicing what he's preaching, so I'm going to just put it up here, or he will. Up, we didn't go to church. Church wasn't a big part of what we did. I really didn't know anything about church. When you don't, we're not introduced to it, and you don't know what it's all about. You hear about God, you hear about things that people do going to church, but 
I'd never stepped foot in that building, so I didn't know what it was about. So my wife's been a Christian her whole life, and when we married, I was not a Christian. I had dabbled in it a couple times over the years. We've been married 16 years now, and we dabbled in different churches from time to time, but I was faking it. Right? I was doing it on behalf of my wife, and it wasn't for me. As we got older and started having kids, I realized that faith is something that I, I needed to investigate. Well, a friend of mine invited me to church. So the first visit back to church was exciting. We hadn't been in a while, and um, I was at a point in my life where I wanted that for my kids, right, and, and also for myself, but I still wasn't 100% committed. So a couple of things that were interesting when we came back was the friendliness, right? We found it, finally found a church that when we walked in the doors, everybody was extremely friendly and welcoming and making them feel like part of the family, and that's been a huge blessing for us. That's when I knew it was time for me to, to step forward and, and become a Christian. When I told them the family, right, we had several conversations about me wanting to become a Christian and my boys were very much part of those conversations. We scheduled a meeting with our pastor, we met at a Starbucks and we all sat down and we talked about the things that are important in life, right? School, family, sports, uh, but the decision to become a Christian is this is the single most important decision that they'd ever make in their lives. You know, I wanted to make it very, very clear and with the kids and with the pastor that my decision to become a Christian is my decision. You know, I don't want you to do it because dad's doing it. I want you to do it for yourself. You know, pastor asked the kids, you know, is this something that you want to do? Do you want to accept Christ? And they were 100% in. What was, I think, the coolest thing that ever happened about this was uh, my decision to be baptized was solely for me. But my kids stepped forward and said that they also wanted to be baptized. And for me, that was the coolest thing about becoming a Christian is that my boys wanted to follow suit. What that means for me emotionally that my sons are now believers in Christ is that they now have eternal life and that's what else could you ask for as a father? Yeah, so what this does for my family is changes everything, right? Everything in our daily thoughts, our daily actions, it changes everything. I've been, I've been a different person since. Everything that I do, I wake up and I pray. And through a day, if I'm driving in my car, I pray. And I have a, a much more strong relationship with God than I ever had in my life. And, and so what that's going to do for my family is it's going gonna, it's gonna to open up the conversations to really getting my boys and my wife and my daughter to really understand what Christianity is all about. One of the things I want to implement in my family is just, you know, faith, right? I mean, we don't, I grew up in a home where going to church and prayer and all those things were just not important. We didn't do those things, right? And so one of the things I want to make sure that as a father I'm providing for my kids is that forum to be comfortable praying, right? to be comfortable going to church, to be comfortable talking about God. You know, some people are, get very uh, weird about talking about God. I don't want my kids to be that way. I want them to feel very comfortable that they can talk about that and stand up in front of anybody and say, I am a Christian. So one of the things is a legacy I'm trying to pass on to my kids is the whole concept of giving, right? Not be so concerned with what we take in life, but what we give. So one of the things that God's blessed me with is the ability to play basketball. I played on a scholarship, and one of the things that I want to do now, I want to use our church as the forum to get kids into the church and play basketball and, and teach them about Christ. So there's a man who is actually practicing his faith. And he actually came by it inherently. Like, he wasn't told how to do it. This was a brand new thing for him. And he started living his faith. And um, his kids are still young. I'm sure they have a lot of journeys ahead of them. But um, um, I, I found that intriguing, that this man figured it out really quick. The other thing I thought intriguing about that video was the church. Did you hear about that? Did anybody catch that? It was a welcoming church. I was like, okay, yeah, 
I can play that. This, our church gets that. So um, um, I just thought that was intriguing. Okay, let's do not depart. So this is the result of living a life seeking the way of wisdom, which is the power and presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We need to do it together, though. We, we train each other. We exhort each other. When we see sin knocking at the door, we lovingly push each other to God. This has to be a together thing, and we're not going to get it right. We're going to have failures, but we, can, we do it together. And then you say, but Nikki, my kid's struggling. At this point, I, 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 the only answer I have is we, we, we get to a point of having to trust our Lord more than we trust our situation. So we live our faith sincerely. We rely on the Holy Spirit to give us the power from on high. We ask him to call our children home out of his ability and his power because we don't have it. And then we don't fret over our inability to save our kids and pray together that God brings them home. So God's asking us to really step into this new covenant, the kingdom of heaven right here with us. The Holy Spirit is actively giving us power for the journey. So we have wisdom, the Holy Spirit. But does this really work? Like Proverbs 22, 6, um, train up a child in the way of wisdom, the way of the Holy Spirit. And when he's old, he won't depart from it. Does it really work? Um, I want to share you a testimony of this guy up here on the left. His name's Sean Bowles. Those two are his parents in the middle. And I, I believe that's his sister because it's not his wife. I, I know his wife. Well, I don't know her personally. But anyway, um, so this is what he said. I grew up in a loving Christian home where my parents modeled, included God in our everyday lives. They always had a hunger to see what was in the Bible, and we would listen for God's heart and voice to guide our family decisions. Having my parents model to us that God speaks, and when we follow him, we get a different outcome, shaped the way I now pursue God as an adult. They nurtured our beliefs so that whether we were born gifted in prophecy or not, our pursuit of God included the pursuit of the prophetic gifts. Our, con- our parents consistently included listening prayer when facing everyday circumstances. Did you lose your keys? Ask God to help you find them. Do you have friends going through problems? Ask God how to counsel them. Need to make a decision about what electives to take in school? Ask Jesus to show you what, you would, what would make you come alive. And another time I heard a, a testimony from him. And he, he talked about the spiritual dynamic in his family growing up. And he said it was normal for his parents to have him present in their spiritual life. They did it together. So when they were at house group, they would all go together. When they prayed for others, Sean was asked to pray. He learned to find it natural to speak prophetically over people. I think his pro- first prophetic word was at six years old. Um, um, it was common. So this is the man that grew up to be a dynamic force for the Lord in today's generation. He's, he's a prophetic voice. So I want to apply this to our church family also. When we live our faith together, when we model and practice the presence of God in our lives, our church grows spiritually together. Um, we, we become more spiritually mature. We welcome the Holy Spirit we, we, we grow more empowered in, in hearing him together. And then we see generations after, after us walking in their destiny as children of God. It's a journey. We're, this is something we need to do together and practice together. And we will reap benefits, but we need to rely on the Holy Spirit together. So in, um, I want to I st- start to wind this down. And I thought I'd go to Proverbs 3. I'd already quoted 1, 2, and 4. 
Well, Proverbs 3 says, The Lord by wisdom founded the earth, and by understanding he established the heavens. By his knowledge the deeps broke open, and the clouds um, dropped down the dew. What it says is, by wisdom, by the Holy Spirit, all things were created. And, And that's mentioned in Genesis 1 also. And this is the power of God in our lives. Things are created when we welcome the Holy Spirit to lead our lives. Things are created when we welcome the Holy Spirit. Paths are made straight. Sin doesn't entice as much. So I'm asking, in what areas do we need to, the power of God to bring things into being? Is it over our children? Our loved ones? Are we crying out for wisdom to breathe over our situations? We're, we are exhorted to call out for this. Holy Spirit, come over me. Come over this situation. Be the power I need for this. Bring life out of this. So Proverbs is an admonishment to pursue wisdom. Holy Spirit. There are father's guidance to his son to live for God and not to follow the way of the wicked. We're supposed to train each other, hanak, dedicate, channel ourselves to the way of wisdom. We're supposed to disciple and instruct each other into the kingdom of God, where God's law is written on our heart. We are the children of God. So corporately, I'm speaking of it as parents and as a church. We are family, and we're going to be um, mature in faith together. The way he should go is wisdom, the way of the Holy Spirit. And he's the power we need, and he's the presence we need, and we need to seek him. And then this not depart is the journey of discipling each other and seeking the power and presence of God in our, in our lives. We exhort each other, we, and then we grow in wisdom and understanding. And it's a lifelong discipleship. And when, when we have struggles, we help each other out. So, I thought right now would be a good time to practice this verse. So, if we're asking God to help us grow in, and mature in the faith together, this is not just for parents, okay? So, it's for all of us. And I thought, I thought it would be kind of fun to do a listening prayer t- exercise together. And you're all like, oh no, we have to do something now? You're... you're you're not going to be the one doing all the speaking? Well, I just talked about us doing it together. So I want us to do it together. Um, So I'm going to ask a few questions. Um, What I want us to do is just quiet ourselves. And I'm I'm going to put one question up on the screen. And I'm going to give us a few minutes just to ask the Lord this question. And then listening prayer, I'm going to explain it a little bit to you. You ask God this question, Lord, is there anything I need to confess regarding my attitude towards seeking the wisdom of the Holy Spirit in my life? And then you, you record what you think he's saying. And you might be, you think, oh, I don't know if that's God. Well, that's the practice we get to do. You write it all down and you just practice. I think this is God. Hmm. And record it. And then if anybody hears something at the end, I want us to be bold. Okay, we're at a point now where it's like, okay, we're past um, acquaintance. We're now friends and family. So we're going to be bold with each other, and we're going to um, share what God has said to us about this. Just a few people. So let's, um, we're going to just close our eyes right now. If you have a way of recording it, that would be good. And I, I want to just hear what the Lord has to say about us living this Proverbs 22 verse 6 together. 
So I'll pray it, and then let's just listen. Lord, is there anything that I need to, con- to confess regarding my attitude towards seeking wisdom and power of the Holy Spirit in my life? Did anybody hear something? Amber? Okay. Go ahead. I want us to practice. I'm all about um, equipping. But okay, Samantha. And in the back, I don't know your name. Eric.
Amen. Amen. He used me today. <laughs> Amen. Mm-hmm. Let's do one more. We're going to skip over the next one and do the last one, slide 24. Do you have something specific you want to say to my loved one? This, we're asking God this, okay? Do you have something specific you want to say to my loved one or to a friend here at church to encourage them in their faith? So we're just going to spend a little bit of time quietly listening. And what is God saying to us? Maybe for someone else. I'm going to get Norm to close the service. And um, after he closes, I fully believe that God's speaking and he has encouragement for each other today. So if you heard something, no, because you heard something, um, I want you to share it with the person you heard it for. And um, this is what I want to say. We need to be a safe community to practice hearing God and sharing his heart with others. So remember, I want, to, I want to give some parameters for how we share with each other, okay? The heart of God for his creation is love, so we communicate his heart of love for others, okay? We lead them to him and his love. So 1 Corinthians 14, 1 says, Follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. You need to love before you can share God's words with others. They go together. Okay? Amen.